0: previously on Breakdown.
1: Mr. President, you have not condemned these actions or this language. Senators, you have not condemned this language or these actions. This has to stop. We need you to step up and if you're going to take a position of leadership,
2: show some.
0: Well, uh, I've listened to what uh, the president has just said. President Trump uh, We've had several lawsuits and we've had to respond in court to the lawsuits and the contentions. Uh, we don't agree that you have one.
1: That's a criminal, that's a criminal offense. And, and you know, you can't let that happen. That's, that's a big risk to you and to Ryan, your lawyers. That's a big risk.
0: January 4th, 2021. Fonnie Willis's first full day as Fulton County District Attorney. She is still settling in when the news channels start lighting up.
3: We are beginning with the
4: president's most daring move yet to overturn the election results. Breaking news, the president of the United States on tape, tearing into Georgia's secretary of state with a torrent of disinformation. A bombshell phone call and a
3: president trying everything and anything to stay in power. Extraordinary breaking developments we are following this hour. The president of the United States on audio tape pushing a Republican official in Georgia to discard the will of voters.
4: Virtually every station is covering the same story. The leaked audio from President Donald Trump's phone call with Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger from two days earlier.
1: All I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes which is one more that we have,
3: because we won the state.
4: The conversation stops Willis in her tracks.
3: I tell people I don't know what kind of luck I had, uh, or bad luck, you may call it. And I kind of sat and watched the TV and knew almost instantaneously where (laughs) the secretary of state is located. And I think there was probably a moment where I prayed, well, maybe, He lives in Macon, and that phone call went to Macon, and then I won't have jurisdiction over it. Um, But that did not turn out to be the case, and it very readily became apparent that this is the office with jurisdiction.
0: Willis campaigned against her former boss, the sixth-term incumbent, Paul Howard, and she pledged to restore morale and relationships in an office that had long been dysfunctional and embroiled in controversy.
4: Willis cruised to victory with some three-quarters of the vote, a remarkable rebuke of a sitting DA. But no one, least of all Willis, could anticipate that the Democrats' new job would lead her toward investigating a U.S. president.
0: Willis tells us she had no choice, especially once she heard that several other top prosecutors, including Georgia's attorney general and the U.S. attorney in Atlanta, could become potential witnesses
3: if you live in the free world and in a democracy. um, The first duty of the government is to keep people safe, which is why we have police officers and a district attorney's office. But I think it is also equally fundamentally important that the government make sure in a free society that people can vote and that is not infringed upon by anyone. Um, So in this case, you have an allegation of a human being, a person, an American citizen, um, possibly doing something that would have infringed upon the rights of lots of Georgians, specifically from my county, Fulton County's right to vote, being infringed upon. Um, And the allegations were quite frankly not civil wrongdoing, but a crime. And so everybody is equal before the law, no matter what position they hold, no matter how much wealth, no matter how poor they are, no matter how educated, no matter how uneducated. And so I don't see where I really had a choice. It was my duty and responsibility to take this undertaking on.
0: This is Season 9, Episode 2 of Breakdown from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
3: It's the South's biggest deal for AJC podcast listeners. For a limited time, subscribe and you'll get digital access to the AJC for $1.99 per week for life. As long as you keep your subscription, that's our sports and politics coverage, breaking news and in-depth investigations, food and dining and more from ajc.com every day for life. You'll also unlock access to our app, exclusive films, events and newsletters. Subscribe now by going to ajc.com/start. That's ajc.com/start for new subscribers only.
0: welcome back to breakdown the podcast from the atlanta journal constitution investigating georgia's most important cases i'm ajc legal affairs reporter bill rankin
4: and i'm senior reporter tamar hallerman i covered the trump presidency as the ajc's washington correspondent and now i'm focused on da willis's probe of the 2020 elections in georgia
0: willis is at the center of the fulton county investigation of former president trump and his allies she has a reputation as a tireless, laser-focused prosecutor with two decades' experience in the DA's office.
4: Her courtroom skills are formidable. Even defense attorneys who have gone up against her speak admiringly about Willis's abilities. She's known for breaking down complex issues for jurors, whether they have high school educations or master's degrees.
0: In some ways, you could say that Willis grew up in courtrooms. In Washington, D.C. and California, she would tag along with her single father, John Clifford Floyd III. He was an attorney, a civil rights activist, and a former Black Panther.
4: When she was a girl, a judge would let Willis sit in his lap as he presided over the cases her father was arguing. He'd ask her whether people should be sent home or to jail. This was where Willis decided she wanted to be a judge. But to do that, her father told her, she'd need to become an attorney first.
0: Willis went to Howard University and then Emory Law School, where her classmates say she was a serious and driven student. Willis landed at the Fulton DA's office after a few years in private practice and a short stint working for the city of Atlanta. She prosecuted homicide, sexual assault cases. Eventually, she moved her way up to what's called the Complex Trial Division. She supervised a team of more than 50 people.
4: Lawyers who worked with Willis say she'd spend nights and weekends working cases. Bonnie is
2: known for being just very no nonsense, no frills.
0: Atlanta lawyer Tanya Miller worked with Willis in the Fulton DA's office for seven years.
2: If the shortest distance between two points is a straight line was a person, it would be Bonnie. She will come right at you. She's not the type that is going to hide her intentions or hide the ball. She's the type that is going to come straight at you, look you in the eye, tell you she's going to beat you, and then work relentlessly to do that.
4: And here's Atlanta attorney John Floyd.
5: There's passion, there's commitment, resolve. She's unassuming. Funny doesn't talk down to the jury at all. And she's there because somebody did something wrong and there are victims. And, you know, that's the focus, which is what it should be. But I think she's very good at connecting uh, because there's no pretense there. She's exactly who she is.
0: Willis is a preparer. She likes to do as much work as possible before she walks into a courtroom. And Willis likes to say she doesn't try cases skinny.
3: I developed a philosophy very early on when I was trying the murders. And the philosophy was I couldn't get a conviction on every case, although I got them almost. But when I sat down, I just wanted to be able to—and it was usually a young man, although it was sometimes a young woman—but I just wanted to be able to look at mom and say, I did everything I knew how to do. Everything.
4: Willis quickly developed a sterling reputation within the DA's office, all while raising two girls as a single parent. Her father lived with her too. He was her moral sounding board.
0: But her first big turn in the public spotlight wouldn't come until 2014, when she was assigned to one of the highest-profile cases in Georgia history. I covered most of it. It turned out to be the longest trial ever in state history, almost eight months.
4: In July 2011, state investigators uncovered widespread cheating in 44 Atlanta schools by 178 teachers and administrators. 80 educators confessed to changing students' answers on standardized tests.
0: Willis obtained an indictment against 35 educators. This included Superintendent Beverly Hall. She had previously been named National Superintendent of the Year.
4: Willis employed what many viewed as an audacious strategy in the sweeping indictment. She charged the educators using racketeering laws, which were initially designed to put away mafia dons.
0: Of the 35 indicted, 21 pled guilty. Twelve went to trial and only one was found not guilty. Former Superintendent Hall and one other defendant died before the trial. During the trial, Willis convinced jurors that teachers and administrators were working together with the same goal in mind. Here she is giving her opening statement.
3: And the purpose of the conspiracy was this, to illegally inflate test scores and to create a false impression of academic success.
4: This was a major win for prosecutors, but it was also a controversial victory. There are still some corners of Atlanta, particularly in majority black parts of the city, that believe the Fulton DA's office went too hard after the educators. But Willis stands by her handling of the case.
0: The test cheating case taught Willis how to operate under an intense media spotlight had to organize a massive case on a tight timeline and methodically work her way through boxes and boxes of evidence.
5: She was a bit of a force of nature in the sense that she was completely committed to the case.
4: Here's John Floyd again. He's a highly successful private attorney who agreed to work as a special prosecutor on the APS case for free.
5: And by that, I mean in learning everything about it, getting up to speed on it, learning the details, being involved in staffing the case, because there was a fair amount of turnover during the whole course of it. And just not only mastering the details, but mastering, maybe the best way to put it is kind of the deployment or utilization of the people on the team. I'm still not totally sure how she did it, but she did it. That really, at a certain point, just becomes an act of will. You know, you're not it doesn't necessarily even make sense that you can do something like that. You just have, you do it because you have to do it. And she did.
4: Floyd was brought in on the APS case for a very specific reason. He's one of the nation's preeminent experts on racketeering laws. The Atlanta Public Schools case proved to Willis the great power of Georgia's Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act, otherwise known as RICO.
0: Interestingly, Willis brought Floyd back to the office as a special prosecutor after launching her Trump investigation.
4: Willis tells us she's eyeing Rico as she determines whether any crimes were committed by Trump or his allies in the aftermath of Georgia's 2020 elections.
3: I am not intimidated by the RICO statute, I'm not intimidated by using that as a means, if that's a means that will tell the whole story to a jury. I think it's extremely important that when prosecutors present information to citizens who ultimately are, you know, the last bastions of civilization when they make these kind of decisions, that it's very important we bring all the information before them. And so if that's a tool that we deem necessary, once we collect all the information that needs to be used, I will use it. happy price go to your happy price Price Priceline
0: hip hop is a product of black people it's a product of black song and celebration the
2: Atlanta Journal Constitution presents
3: hip hop's most pulled elements
0: It's been a year and a half since Willis was sworn in, and almost as long since she announced she was looking into the actions of Trump and his allies following the 2020 elections.
4: Willis's announcement of her investigation in February 2021 was national news. (laughs) Tonight, the Georgia prosecutor leading a criminal probe into former President Trump, beefing up her team of investigators looking at Trump's efforts to overturn the state's election results.
5: The case against the former president for violating election
7: law goes before a grand jury. District Attorney Willis, thank you so much for your time tonight. I really appreciate you being
4: here. Then, she went silent for almost a year to assemble her team and collect information and testimony from voluntary witnesses.
0: The long wait infuriated many of Trump's biggest critics. They argue the leaked phone call between Trump and Raffensperger is enough by itself to bring charges against the former president.
4: Here's Glenn Kirshner, a former federal prosecutor. I, I
2: think it undermines the, the public faith in our rule of law. Um, I mean, I don't pretend that the rule of law is applied equally, unfortunately. I've, I've seen how it's not. But when you have folks who... Sort of commit the ultimate crime against democracy, trying to unconstitutionally retain power and deny an incoming president his duly elected office, all of which is not only a crime, in my opinion, it, it couldn't be more disrespectful of the people that you're supposed to be governing, honestly. It just kind of undermines um, our democracy in dangerous ways. And the only way to guard against it happening again, is by charging those who are responsible.
4: Willis defends her office's pace. She says she's giving her prosecutors time to assemble all the evidence and information they need before making any decisions. She's also dealt with a growing backlog of criminal cases created by the pandemic. She's filled vacancies on staff, reorganized her office, and rebuilt relationships with other law enforcement agencies that had grown strained under the reign of her predecessor.
3: I walked into an office that was a mess. Over 50,000 files, not closed, that should have been closed from a previous administration. 101 police brutality cases. 12,000 cases in the pipe that needed to be indicted. Not to mention the 10 or 12 that were already indicted that we needed to look at to see were they appropriately indicted. And so I walked into that mess along with my very first day in the office. And so my first priority was just to write the ship which was let's work on the morale let's when i walked in the door i released uh, about 60 people to new opportunities because i did not think they were an appropriate fit for the office either based on things that i'll call morality questions or they simply weren't qualified
0: when it came to the trump investigation willis says she wasn't initially planning to request a special purpose grand jury but that changed when a critical mass of witnesses said they wouldn't testify without a subpoena she says there are at least 50 who will be summoned. They include the man who might be the case's most important witness, Secretary of State Raffensperger.
4: The Secretary of State's office has largely cooperated with Fulton prosecutors, but there's certainly been some tension. Raffensperger is not, shall we say, kindly disposed toward Willis. Here's what he told Fox News in January.
0: Well, obviously she's been slow walking this. She's been in office for a year now, over a year. And now she's finally getting to this point. I think she's just trying to score some cheap political points with her Democrat friends. That's a view shared by many Georgia Republicans. Marcy McCarthy is chairwoman of the DeKalb County GOP in suburban Atlanta. She served on a panel that checked signatures on absentee ballots. She was a special poll watcher and a recount observer. McCarthy doesn't blame Trump for asking questions. She says she has many of her own about the way the 2020 elections were carried out.
3: It is a witch hunt. The President of the United States, in the days following
4: the elections across the country, in Georgia, especially in Georgia, it was chaos. I was on the ground.
0: Many Republicans argue that Willis is timing the investigation to inflict maximum political harm in the midterms or the 2024 elections. That's when she's up for re-election? and when Donald Trump could be on the ballot again for president.
4: Willis vehemently disagrees. She says she's not motivated by politics and her prosecutors are following the facts wherever they lead. And she promised to wait until after Georgia's May primaries to start calling in witnesses who are being subpoenaed.
3: I don't want people to think that this is about politics. And so I've done something this month or next month, we'll say that's very, very intentional. We are going to get the special purpose grand jury sworn on May the 2nd. However, I will not call the first witnesses to the special purpose grand jury till June the 1st. And the specific reason that I'm doing that is one, just a technical one, right? I need a grand jury and panel before I can issue a subpoena. So we know it would be a week or two out anyway, cause I got to put it in their hand, give them their 72 hours, etc. But the other reason is we have an election that's May 24th. I'm, I know there's an election May 24th. I have to go cast my vote like everyone else, but I don't want anyone to say, oh, she's doing this because she wants to influence the outcome of this upcoming election.
0: Even so, that doesn't silence the voice of other hometown critics. They argue that investigating Trump is a waste of prosecutorial resources and limited taxpayer money.
7: I would say to Fani, you have to remember we had a pandemic. We are, we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in the jails waiting for trials.
0: That's Breakdown's resident legal expert, Don Samuel. We have
7: courtrooms that are packed with people who are out of jail waiting for their trials. We have civil cases that are in close to coming to trial. And if we bring this indictment, we're gonna to have to either rent, you know, Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, and use a ton of resources from the DA's office. And I doubt the state's gonna give you more money or that the county's gonna give you more money. And you're gonna have, you know, DA's who are gonna be out of commission for conceivably a year or two, just working on this case courtrooms, judges, it's just not a good use of resources. And no judge in Fulton County is going to send him to jail. That's not going to happen. It's no way Donald Trump's going to end up in Reidsville.
4: Samuel is referring to Georgia State Prison, the 85-year-old maximum security prison in Reidsville, Georgia. It's now closed. And he made those comments before the General Assembly hired him to represent its members if subpoenaed by the special grand jury. But it's a point we heard from many others both inside and outside the legal profession.
0: Willis has her share of admirers, too, including attorney Norm Eisen, President Obama's ethics czar. He co-authored a report for the Brookings Institution analyzing public evidence in the investigation.
1: I think D.A. Willis has proven that she has the integrity and the spine to... Um, you know, to to uh, go after anybody who's a lawbreaker, she said as much. Look, this is a woman who used that same RICO statute to prosecute, as you two know better than I do, the Atlanta teachers, right? That if you're gonna if you're gonna be tough enough to prosecute teachers when they break the law through the cheating, as she demonstrated, you know, you have the toughness, you have the experience.
4: Willis is embracing her role as Fulton's first female DA. She sometimes refers to herself as Madam DA, and co-hosted a glitzy awards gala with Atlanta super producer Tyler Perry. She sat for multiple profiles for national publications like Time Magazine and the New York Times. And a deputy executive assistant keeps close tabs on Willis's appearance. She's known for stepping in during interviews to touch up Willis's hair and makeup, even mid-answer.
0: Willis has also been on the receiving end of a litany of racist threats from supporters of Trump and others who have been targeted by the DA's office. She has round-the-clock security at home and at work, including a guard who stood inside the door of her office the most recent time we interviewed her. She also asked for assistance from the FBI after Trump made these comments in January during a rally in Texas.
1: And the outrageous civil and criminal harassment in New York and Atlanta of a person known as Donald Trump. Have you ever heard of him? It really is prosecutorial misconduct at the highest level. These prosecutors are vicious, horrible people. They're racists and they're very sick. They're mentally sick. They're going after me without any protection of my rights by the Supreme Court or most other courts. In reality, They're not after me, they're after you. If these radical, vicious, racist prosecutors do anything wrong or illegal, I hope we are going to have in this country the biggest protest we have ever had in Washington, D.C., in New York, in Atlanta, and elsewhere, because our country and our elections are corrupt. They're corrupt.
4: Willis worried that Trump's tirade could prompt a January 6th style uprising at the Fulton County Courthouse. She even ordered bulletproof vests for her prosecution team.
3: I would say that my the response over the last year has been varied. You know, I think that there are people that really appreciate the work that we're doing here, appreciating that this is an office that has the courage to look into this matter. And they send very kind words sometimes. Um, There are also a lot of people that think the audacity of this district attorney's office to even believe that they could look into this. Um, I've gotten more racist comments in the last year than I had in the entire 49 years up to this year, Uh, my 50th year. That might be the first time I've ever said that on camera. I'm still adjusting (laughs) to it. Um, But, you know, I get called in very regularly. Uh, It's really silly to me that. They believe that by hurling those kind of insults, that it's going to impact the way that we do our investigation.
0: Willis acknowledges she's doubled up on security. And while she says she'd wish this on no one, she feels like she has no choice.
3: Now, that is a taking of resources if the public wants to be mad, but I want to stay alive.
4: So it wasn't surprising that security was tight the morning of May 2nd at the Fulton County Courthouse when 200 residents arrived with their grand jury summons. The streets around the large building were closed. Law enforcement officers seemed to be everywhere. Some were carrying assault rifles. As it turned out, there were no major protests.
0: Inside, 100 potential jurors sat in a large courtroom with Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney presiding. You'll remember he was the judge in Breakdown Season 5, the Tex McIver trial. Another 100 potential jurors sat in another courtroom watching the proceedings on a live stream.
4: Here's Judge McBurney. He kind of sounds like he's talking from somewhere underwater. We apologize for this, but this is the sound from the hearing's live feed.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today to select a grand jury that will investigate whether there were unlawful attempts to disrupt the administration of the 2020 elections here in Georgia.
0: Members of the news media were allowed to view the selection process from another room. It'll be the only time we get a peek into this special-purpose grand jury. From here on out, it will operate in secret. The only people allowed to speak publicly will be the witnesses who appear before the grand jury.
4: We're hoping some will do just that.
0: Absolutely, we do.
4: McBurney tells the potential grand jurors what to expect and what they'll be able to do.
2: What we will be doing if you are selected to serve on this grand jury is to receive testimony from witnesses who are subpoenaed. to receive documents, papers. This grand jury authorizes the district attorney to issue subpoenas to people and places for information. Those witnesses will appear before you, and they will answer questions that the district attorney or her assistants pose to those witnesses.
0: I'm going to quote him verbatim. You have investigative authority as well. You'll be able to ask questions of these witnesses if you have them. You have subpoena power. You may decide that after you hear from witness F that you want to hear from witness G and you can request that person be subpoenaed. There may be documents that come to your mind that you want to see as part of your investigation. You can request those documents get subpoenaed as well. Typically, it's the district attorney who is leading the investigation, but grand jurors have the ability to, as I said, ask questions of the witnesses who appear before them as well as to identify individuals that they think would be helpful to hear from.
4: Those were Judge McBurney's instructions to the jury.
0: Jury selection for special purpose grand juries is a lot different from a regular jury of 12 people at a trial. Since there aren't defense lawyers present, there isn't a big back and forth to strike would-be jurors. So the scene at the Fulton Courthouse bore little resemblance to, say, jury selection before the trial of Ahmaud Arbery's killers, when 1,000 people were summoned.
4: Instead, the disqualifying factors for this Trump special grand jury were straightforward. Jurors had to be at least 18 and residents of Fulton County, no felony convictions, no one who had held elected office in the past two years. And if any of those applied, jurors were instructed to say they had a conflict when asked if they could serve.
2: Now, ladies and gentlemen, because this grand jury will be investigating a specific situation, the 2020 election here in Georgia, It's important that the grand jury be comprised of individuals who bring an open mind to the process.
4: McBurney said he would ask prospective jurors to stand and either say ready to serve or put themselves in the conflict category. And those who had already made up their minds that a crime had occurred or that a crime hadn't occurred, they should say they have a conflict.
0: All of the jurors were assigned a number so as not to reveal their names. So when McBurney began asking each juror to declare, we wondered just how many would actually say they were ready to serve, knowing this could be a long undertaking. McBurney told them they'd work only one or two days a week and likely have some weeks off. But still, how many people would try to get out of this?
4: Surprisingly, only about 25 out of the first 100 said they had a conflict. Roughly three-quarters of them said ready to serve.
0: I was impressed so many people were ready to do their civic duty. This is definitely going to be a sacrifice for many of these grand jurors. Just driving down to the courthouse in awful Atlanta traffic is no fun at all.
4: Never mind that they're putting themselves at the heart of a politically sensitive investigation with historic implications.
0: The selection process was over surprisingly quickly.
4: Fulton officials were prepared for jury selection to potentially bleed into a second day. But it took less than two hours. There are now 23 special grand jurors and three alternates. 26 in all.
0: This is Breakdown from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and
7: Bill Nigat, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.
0: So, why a special purpose grand jury? Why not just a regular grand jury? They meet all the time.
4: In Fulton County, a regular grand jury meets for a two-month term. It hears dozens of felony cases, from murders to kidnappings and arsons, and can issue subpoenas and indictments.
0: But special purpose grand juries are different. They cannot indict. They're more like an investigative body focused on a single case with the power to subpoena evidence and witness testimony.
6: The special grand jury has no term. They can continue to work on the project they're assigned to work for as long as it takes.
4: This is former prosecutor Pete Scandalakis. He heads Georgia's prosecuting attorney's counsel.
6: In order for a grand jury to take any course of action, 12 of them must be in agreement. Okay, wow. Does, It's not the majority, like, and it's not unanimous like it is in a trial jury. 12 of the 23 must be an agreement to do something, and if you cannot get 12 people to vote in favor of something, then um, you don't have an agreement by that grand jury.
4: Also, when they vote...
6: The vote is taken outside the presence of the prosecutor, okay? Uh So their vote is a secret vote, and it's typically done by a show of hands.
0: We sought out Danny Porter. He was once the district attorney in Gwinnett County an Atlanta suburb. He's been a frequent commentator for Breakdown.
8: It is a significant legal step in the investigation of a criminal case or a potential criminal case because it now brings to bear the power of the grand jury and the focus of the grand jury. Instead of being on lots of cases and generalized cases, it's now focused on one case. And they have all and they have all the time they need, so that's really the power of the special grand jury as opposed to what we call the regular or regular grand jury. What it does is because they only have one obligation because they only have one thing to do they can they can focus on that and, and you know look at it, subpoena all the witnesses they need and take all the time. They need. Whereas if you have just a regular standard grand jury that has been summoned, uh, they, hear, they hear general criminal cases, which in, in Fulton County are probably 60 or 70 cases in a day.
4: Porter knows full well the powers of a special grand jury. Years ago, he convened one in Gwinnett that met for almost a year. It was investigating suspicious land deals that involved county commissioners and kickbacks. In the end, two of the county's five commissioners were convicted and a third resigned instead of being prosecuted.
0: So, should former President Trump be worried about this one? He should be concerned about the
8: allegations and whether or not he could be found guilty. I think he probably should be concerned in that now he's got, instead of just investigators poking around the edges, he's got. Um, a grand jury that can go directly to the heart of it and compel testimony and they may
2: be able to to compel his testimony.
4: That's right. They can compel Trump's testimony or any of the other key players and targets. And DA Willis told us she expects that to happen without saying who she has in mind.
0: When we asked her if she may actually try to compel Trump to testify, here's what she said. She initially seemed to say yes, then immediately backed off it.
3: It is foreseeable that I would subpoena the target of this investigation. A target. I'm meaning a target.
4: But what if Trump is called? Here's Porter again.
2: So if he's a witness, now he could take the fifth in the special grand jury. Of course, anybody could, but certainly he could.
0: Porter was referring to the privilege under the Fifth Amendment to remain silent on the grounds that what you say could be used against you in a court of law. And that would be quite something if a key target, like the former president, invoked the Fifth.
4: When we asked Porter what that would look like, he reminded us about the rules.
8: It won't look like anything because it remember the grand jury's proceedings are secret.
0: Right. Secrecy. A journalist's worst nightmare.
4: Still, Scandalakis says prosecutors can learn a lot from grand jury proceedings.
6: One of the great things about a grand jury is you get to see not only the strengths of your case, but the weaknesses in your case. So sometimes you can hear a witness testify that you thought would be a great witness. And as this witness goes through his or her testimony and you're listening, you're thinking, this person will never do well in front of a trial jury. And I cannot base my case based upon this witness, I need more. Or you might hear something that says, hey, this is the smoking gun I needed, and um, this I'm going forward with this witness and this witness. So that is the that is the real, I don't know, strength of a grand jury is you can evaluate your case as the case is being presented inside a closed room.
8: What happens is is the grand the special purpose grand jury hears all of the hears all of the evidence, whatever that um, whatever that evidence is, reviews all of that, and then issues a report which is called a special presentment. Once the special presentment is is finished, it's reviewed by a judge, and then it then it can be published or it can be turned over to the district attorney for further criminal prosecutions, in which case it doesn't become a public record. Well, it'll become a public record when the case is complete, but it, it won't immediately upon release if it's turned over for criminal
0: prosecution. So, in other words, if no presentment is made public after the special purpose grand jury adjourns, we can take for granted it is recommending criminal prosecution. Something to remember for sure. Tuck that away.
4: What if the special grand jury recommends charges? Here's Pete Scandalakis again.
6: The district attorney is not compelled, is not required to follow the recommendation of the grand jury. It is a recommendation to the DA, and he or she can consider it for what it's worth.
0: Willis does get the last word, but following the will of the special purpose grand jury, whatever it may be, would give her a lot more political cover.
4: Remember, charging a former president with a crime would be unprecedented in American history.
3: Um, I don't want you to think I'm naive or I don't get the gravity of the situation. I get the gravity of it. I understand it's very interesting to um, people, this case. I get it. But it's just like every other case. You just have to do your due diligence. We're going to talk to the witnesses. We're going to get the documents. We're going to read it. I'm old school.
0: Here's what she says she'll do if she believes a crime has been committed.
3: We're gonna literally, because I'm old school, I'm gonna make them on a white piece of paper that has a sticky thing at the top. I'm gonna write the elements to this crime are A, B, and C. Do we have those elements? If so, what witness gives me fact A, fact B, and fact C? What document proves fact A, fact B, and fact C? If we can do that, I'm going to bring an indictment.
0: Next on Breakdown, which state laws did former President Trump and his allies potentially violate?
3: There are several uh, charges, criminal charges that could be implicated, some within the election code uh, that is specifically designed to protect the integrity of elections. And then others in the more traditional criminal code that address the integrity of public administration overall.
0: As always, thank you so much for listening. We will continue to drop an episode every week over the next few weeks. Then we'll come back whenever major news breaks in this story. And I think you can count on that happening.
4: You can follow our daily coverage on our website, AJC.com. And if you really want to support local journalism, particularly our journalism, please subscribe to the AJC.
0: Be safe and take care. Until next time, I'm Bill Rankin.
4: And I'm Tamar Hallerman.
0: This is Breakdown from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie
4: Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
3: And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody.
4: It means everything to me.
3: We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at
4: www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL.
3: Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.